Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Don, so good to see you back and up here. Praise God. Well, are you ready to fight? I'm really not going to tell you anything new today, but I'm going to give you a different perspective on what you already know. And I think it might help us in this fight. Ephesians 6, you know, we, this theme of struggle and fight of good versus evil is everywhere and, uh, you know, into books and movies, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars and all that, and even in your westerns, you know, you got the sheriff and the bad guys and the war movies and even in your uh, video games, you got the good guys and the bad guys. And then you see, that's all based on reality, isn't it? Because we are in a fight. I know you probably might get tired of me saying that, but we really need to see that and live daily, understanding that the devil is out there with his evil forces and he's trying to bring us down in any and every way that he can possibly. We are engaged in the epic struggle that began in the Garden of Eden. We are in that fight. It has never gone away. It has never stopped. And if you're a Christian, God has brought you into that battle and expects you to fight, to do your part. Ephesians 6.10 Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's real. Those forces are real. They are, there's the devil, there are demons, there are spirits. They interact with this world. You probably heard dozens of sermons, maybe hundreds of sermons, depending on how long you've been around, on putting on the armor of God. We're not going to talk about putting on the armor of God today. You can read about that. But what we're going to talk about is, what do you do once you put the armor on? Right? What do you do then? We're equipped, but how do you fight? I think we really fall down on this, and, and once again, this is about perspective on these scriptures, okay? And keeping our mind focused on the fact that we are in this battle. And God expects us to fight, expect us to fight back. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 10 real quickly. And I understand, you know, we've been given this armor, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and all that. And we know that we don't fight this warfare like the battles are fought on the earth. Okay? We don't pull out guns, knives. We don't manufacture bombs. 
to take down our enemy. That's not what this warfare is about. And sometimes, you know, we get frustrated, I think, because we don't know how to fight. Because we don't really know, then we don't do it. 2 Corinthians 10.3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And we know that. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This is a warfare of the mind, of the heart, and of the soul. That's what this is about. Bringing people to understand about Christ and helping them to make that decision. Helping them through life to make that decision. Some of us want to fight this fight like the world does, with force with some kind of schemes and worldly plans and things like that. But Paul says, no. We don't fight according to the flesh. This is a warfare, a battle of the mind, the heart, and the soul. I've elicited some of our brothers to help read scripture this morning. Who has James 4-7? Rick, would you read that out loud, please? All right. Submit to God, but resist the devil. How do we resist the devil? Sometimes I think we only see this in the context of temptation, and we'll talk about temptation in a little bit. But there's other ways we have to resist the forces of evil that come against us. And we're going to get into it. We're going to detail here a little bit. But basically speaking, when, when confronted with evil, we want to do good. When confronted with a lie, we want to speak the truth and correct the record. When confronted with lust, we choose love. When confronted with wrong, we do what's right. When confronted with apathy, we go into action. When confronted with need, we take care of it. When confronted with wickedness, we act righteously, and on and on and on. We fight against the devil by doing what's right in God's eyes. And every time we do that, and I thought about using some expressions here, every time we bless people, you know, this is always the focus, do good deeds, do good deeds. But here's the thought, here's the new perspective. Every time you do a good deed of any kind, you punch the devil in the face and you stick a knife in his gut. That's the way you fight the devil, by doing good. That's the way you hurt him. That's the way you drive him back. That's the way you resist him, by doing good. That's the way Jesus fought, didn't he? He did what was right. He healed people. He taught the truth. He encouraged people. That's the way you fight. And we haven't had that perspective, I don't think. That's the way you hurt the devil, hurt these forces of evil. You do good. They hate that. They're not for good, are they? 
They're for lies. They're for hurting people. They're for bringing people down. They're for breaking apart marriages. They're for separating people from God. They want people to be sick. They want people to die outside of Christ. That's what they're about. We're the opposite. We want healing. We want good. We want to comfort people. We want marriages to stay together and be strong. We want kids to grow up in the Lord, don't we? That's the way we fight the devil. Do what's right. That's the way we hurt him in his cause. All right, so we're going to look at five or six of these real quickly. Helen will get home in time for lunch, I think. 1 Corinthians 10. We'll take the temptation thing right right off the bat because this is the one we're familiar with. When you are tempted, take the way of escape. Sometimes the devil comes right at us, doesn't he? Let's read this. 1 Corinthians 10, starting with 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. First of all, warning. We talked, was it last week, two weeks ago, about being honest with yourself when we had the the bucket list uh, lesson. Be honest with yourself. Take heed. Don't think you can get through life. You got this made. You can't be tempted. Wow, that's when the devil's got you. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Nothing worse is happening to you than has happened to somebody else. Somebody, sometimes we say, oh, woe is me. And, and, you know, this, uh, this is the worst anybody's ever had it. God says, no, it's not. So you can overcome it. That's why he says that. And God is faithful. God is faithful. We're, re- we're seeing this in the book of Revelation study, aren't we? Despite all the calamity that's going to be coming on the known world at that time, God's, my people are sealed. I know who they are. I got them protected. Don't, don't fret. God is faithful. who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. You know, sometimes we think, oh, I can't stand this. I can't do this. You ever say that or think it? You know, that's wrong thinking. According to this verse, isn't it? It says, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able, with his help, to do, to resist. Don't sell yourself short. But, with the temptation, provide the way of escape also that you will be able to endure it. Sometimes we just have to look for that way of escape and find it. Sometimes it is to flee and to change your circumstances, get out of there. But here's the thing. We're supposed to be fighting. Sometimes when the temptation comes, we don't fight. We don't resist. We've got to fight for it. We've got to realize this is a way the devil is trying to harm me and bring me down when I have this temptation whatever it is, to go to that particular website, to tell this little lie to protect myself, to cheat on an exam, you know, to, to put down on my uh, timesheet that I worked two more hours than I did, or whatever it is, 
you've got to see that that's the devil trying to bring you down, and you've got to resist it. You've got to fight it. You've got to claw for it. You've got to scratch for it. I don't want to do this. This is part of the fight. Do what's right. Too often we just we minimize sin. Well, one time, it ain't going to hurt. One time, that's okay. It's just a little thing. We can't do that. We've got to fight back. We've got we to punch the devil. This is a war that we're in. Every time you give in, the devil gains a little ground. He gains another little piece of your heart every time you give in. You don't want him making any advances in your life. You don't want that. Because that just weakens you. You've got to resist. You've got to fight. Every time you resist him and choose to do right, you give him a good smack in the jaw. You say, I ain't doing this. I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to do what God says. That's the way you resist. And what's it say? He'll flee from you. But you've got to put up your fight. Whatever it takes. There's all kinds of things we need to do at times when something continues to come around and bother us. You've got to change your lifestyle. I counseled a young man once. He was having trouble with the pornography thing. He gave his wife the password to the computer. So he could not get on it unless she let him on it. He fought back. It was too strong for him. So he did what he had to do so he wouldn't sin. Sometimes you've got to do something. You gotta, but you've got to fight, you see. You've got to see, that's no good. I can't do that anymore. It's hurting me. It's hurting my family. It's hurting my relationship with my Lord. And I don't want to do it. So you've got to find a way of escape. All right. Our second thought from Colossians 4. Who got one of our brothers reading Colossians 4 for us? 4 and verse 2. Who has that? Bill? All right. Pray constantly and fervently with faith in God. Devote yourselves to prayer. Prayer is how we get help. Prayer is how we get strength. Prayer is how we get reinforcements. Someone has suggested we pray for God to send angels to help us out. Ever pray that prayer? I've prayed that prayer. Pray for yourself for wisdom, strength, power, boldness, and courage. But then also, don't be selfish with your prayers. Pray for other people. Same thing. Wisdom, strength, power, boldness, courage, and on and on we can go with that. We're encouraged in so many passages of Scripture to pray. Prayer brings God's attention to your situation. 
Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't already know what's going on. But it's specifically, you're calling God, Lord, I need your help, or sister so-and-so needs, brother so-and-so needs your help right now. And God has said, do that. He says, call to me, and I'll answer. But so many times we just, no, we ignore that. We don't fight. We don't bring God into that battle, into that struggle right then to really help us out. And you've got to wonder, are we really serious about doing what's right, about walking with the Lord? And that's one thing that prayer does. I think it shows to you and it shows to God that you're really serious about the Christian life. You're really serious. You want his help all the time. You want to do what's right. You want to bless others. You want him to bless others as well. So this is how we fight back. Every prayer, every prayer, you let the devil have it. You say, get lost, Satan. I want God in my life. I want God to help me. I want God to get me out of this. It's a punch in his gut. Pray. Devote yourselves to prayer. Third thought. Let's go to Proverbs. This was suggested actually in the song that Don sang for us there. Let us in. Give words of encouragement to people. Now this means you have to get involved with other people. But that's part of fellowship, isn't it? That's part of love. The song Dawn led us in the love of God. We want that love flowing through us and touch other people's lives. We want them to do well. I think sometimes if we help others fight, it really helps us in our fight, doesn't it? It really does. Proverbs 12, 25. Listen to these. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. You ever get weighed down? You ever have anybody call you on the phone or come drop by and try to encourage you? That not lift you up a little bit? 15, 1 and 2, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. Verse 4, a soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirit. And we need to learn not only what to say, we need to be willing to say it, but we need to know how to say it in a soothing way, in a comforting way, in a kind way, but maybe a firm way. Those words of encouragement. You can do this. Don't get down. We're with you. God is with you. You'll get through this. Verse 23, A man has joy in an apt answer, and how delightful is a timely word. A timely word. You know, if you read through Proverbs, you see, you see a lot of this. And I don't think we realize how important it is to speak words of encouragement to folks. 
continue to build them up. Comfort, console, rejoice with them, mourn with them, speak to them good things. In life, it's happened to you and it's happened to people around you. People get stepped on, ignored, hurt, used, abused, marginalized. They get bad news about illnesses and doctor tests, finances and family. These are all attacks by the evil one. All of them. And any of these can cause a person's faith to begin to unravel, to begin to doubt God that he's with them. It really can. And so people need, and you need, words of encouragement when these things happen. They need them. They need uplifting words. They need prayers. But they need word. They need someone to sit down and speak to them. Maybe it is a phone call. I'm thinking about you. Praying for you. What do you need? How can I help? You'll make it through this. Again, every word of encouragement offered. It's a slap in the devil's face. It's a knife in his belly. I'm not going to let my brother or sister go down. I want to encourage them. I want to bless them. That's the way we fight. Words of encouragement. Okay, moving on. John chapter 4. This is one I think the, the Lord gave it to me. Well, he gave me all this, but... In particular, I, I don't think we really think about this one. This is the woman at the well. And here's the point. Acknowledge every person you meet. We have a tendency in life just to walk past people. We don't even see them. We are so focused on what we're doing you might as well be the only person on the sidewalk, in a room, in a grocery store. And I think that's wrong. That's bad. There are lonely, hurting souls everywhere whom the world, as we just saw, has crushed, they've marginalized, they've hurt. And like the, like the man in the parable of the Good Samaritan, they've been left by the side of the road and they don't think there's life's worth living, and they're just going through the motions. And sometimes they're really smiling and look happy, but they're not. And until you engage them in conversation, you will never know. From time to time, you know, I, whether it's a server at the restaurant or somebody at the bank or whatever, have you ever said, like, hey, how are you doing today? And I've done that, and on several occasions, people are just so surprised that you took any kind of an interest in them at all. It's like, you really want to know about me? Did you ever have run into that? And it, it's, it's amazing. We, people are so isolated. 
so isolated, living lonely lives. We've got to really learn to open up and acknowledge folks. That's what Jesus did here in John 4, the woman at the well. I, I'm not going to read all this. And, uh, you know, 4 9 says, Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, he, he was thirsty, he says, Give me a drink. How is it you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. There's three things here that he could have just ignored her. She was a Samaritan, as I said, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. She was a woman, and a, you know, a man didn't talk with a woman like that one-on-one. -on -one. That was not, you know, custom or right. And then she was quite, you know, had a questionable background. Read on down there how many husbands she already had, and the guy you know you're with now, he's not your husband. So it's like, hey, there's no reason for me to talk with you at all. You're just... Uh, you're not of my kind. You're not in my group. What, what could you offer me? But you see, Jesus engaged her. He saw and he knew, if you take nothing else out of this lesson, this is it, that she was a somebody. She was a real person. Everybody is a somebody. Everybody is a real person. We've got to remember that. God knows them. God loves them. God wants them in his kingdom. So Je Jesus speaks to her. He involves her. Uh, and uh, that's what we need to do. And that's the way we fight the devil. We, we acknowledge people. We try to bring people in. We talk to them. Because the devil likes to isolate, doesn't he? He likes to break apart marriages. He likes to get people living by themselves. So they're in there and they're, you know, they're all anxious, depressed, all by themselves. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. That's the way devil destroys people. In the scriptures, you know, when you talk about love, Love is about relationships, isn't it? Love is about encouraging, helping, acknowledging. So every time you acknowledge someone and say, how are you doing? Or, you know, what's your name? Or what's, how's your life going today? That's a, that's a swat at the devil. That's a punch at him. I want, want this person to be lifted up a little bit. Maybe it won't go anywhere, but you want to put a little smile in their heart that day. All right. Our next thought from Titus 3. Who is Titus 3? Fred. All right. Thank you. Be fruitful in good deeds, deeds of kindness. All of these are similar. But there are certain times there is a great need in people's lives. Uh, it might just be for comforting, time of death. Maybe there is a problem with money and they need food or help that way. Labor, a helping hand, some kind of counsel. We need to be willing, as this says, 
meet pressing needs of people. You need to be ready to jump into action, to go into action, to be ready. In that whole section there in Titus, I think he uses the same concept three times, and every time he says, be ready, be ready, be ready. I think that means in heart and mind, you have that attitude, you're ready. When someone has a knee, hey, okay, here we go. What's going on? But also, it's like ready uh, and willing to give whatever you have, you know, whether it is money, whether it is an afternoon, uh, you know, something in your pantry, or be ready. This is the way you fight the devil, because again, the devil brings people down when they have needs and they can't meet those needs. When they're struggling with money, when they're illness, people are ill, somebody's in a hospital, and I can't get there, I need a ride, and all, you know, you've been in some of these situations. People need help, and you need help, and you've gotten help, and what a wonderful thing it is when somebody helps you out when you have a real need. And that's the way you fight to tell, that's the way you punch him. I'm going to let this person go down. There's a problem, there's a situation, I'm going to help out. By the grace of God, I'm going to help out. And that's the way we fight back. We don't want people to go under because of their problems. All right, our last scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And ultimately, this is where we want to go. If the Lord gives us opportunity to share the gospel. Because this is ultimately what it's about. Now, the devil attacks us in any and every way he can. Body, mind, spirit, what have you, families. But he really wants to tell you the lie. He wants to tell you there is no God. He wants to tell you the Bible is not true. He wants to tell you you don't have to obey the gospel, and on and on. And we see a lot of these lies being perpetrated in our country right now. Share the gospel, 2 Corinthians 4, 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. You see, that's what Satan does. He blinds the mind through his lies and his schemes and his half-truths. So people can't see. He's a master at it. So that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You know, that, that is the worst thing for the devil. That somebody finally gets it and sees that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and he is the way to salvation. That just, you know, not in scripture, but I know that just sets the devil's teeth on edge and makes him angry. When somebody sees that and finally obeys the gospel is immersed into Christ. And, you know, I, I just believe that's true because on the other hand, what happens when that, in heaven, angels rejoice when that happens, right? Angels rejoice when somebody chooses Christ. The devil cannot be happy about that. He hates it. He's against God. And so he does all he can to blind people's minds and hearts. 
Verse 5, therefore, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Christ Jesus is Lord, and he is the Christ, and he is Savior. For God who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. If you have that faith, you have that light in your heart, then this is something you want to do with that light. You want to let it shine through you to somebody else. That's the way you fight back. You don't want to be afraid. Well, I don't, you know, I don't know if this person wants to hear. Maybe, maybe they'll get mad if I mention something about Jesus. Maybe, maybe this is a right, not the right time. Wait a minute. That's exactly what the devil wants you to think. It's not the right time. I need to keep my mouth shut. They don't want to listen. That's the devil's thoughts. Our thoughts ought to be, we've got to fight, fight back. We've got, we got to get this message out of here. We've got to shine the light. We've got to show the love of God. We've got to proclaim the gospel. If they don't listen, they don't listen. If they get angry, they get angry. Did Paul ever proclaim the gospel and people get mad at him? Did he ever walk into a town on one of his missionary journeys and look around and say, gee, I don't think these people want to hear the gospel. Let's go to the next place. He never did that, did he? He said, let's find, let's find a synagogue. Let's, find this, let's go here. Let's, let's start preaching. Sometimes they ran him out of town. They stoned him one time. Hey, he says, okay, they don't want to hear. Let's go somewhere else. But at least he gave it the shot. That's how we fight back. Fight the devil by telling the truth of the gospel. Let the light shine through you. Don't be afraid. Don't back off. Every time you mention the cross, every time you mention the gospel, every time you mention Jesus, that's an old punch at the devil. You whack him a good one. He doesn't want a people to hear that. He wants you to keep your mouth shut. We have to learn to fight back. It's a fight. So, get in the fight. Get in the fight. Make your life count for something for Christ. These aren't all the ways we fight back. You can find other ones in Scripture, but these are some of the ones that came to mind and some of the ones that we're familiar with. But it is a battle. Some of that's going on in your own family in your own neighborhoods, in your own workplaces. But don't back down. We fight in different ways and different opportunities God gives us. We see a situation, need to do a good deed, need to help somebody, yes. Word of encouragement, yes. Prayer always. Gospel, yes. But don't back down. Fight against the devil and all his forces. If anything we've said this morning has so moved you, things that were read in the word of God, and you're ready to obey the gospel this morning, you want to get on the right side in this fight. Because Jesus has overcome the world. He's conquered sin and death. He's been raised from the dead. He's now ruling at the right hand of God. He's the ruler of the kings of the earth. The victory is assured. 
But we have to continue to fight while we're here in this body, while God gives us breath, because this is the way he has chosen for all this to work out. If you want to choose Christ this morning, we're here to help you, to bring you to obedience, to obey the gospel, to be baptized, to become one of his. If you are a Christian, you've not been fighting. You've been hiding. You've been backing off. You've been afraid. I hope all these words have encouraged you today to get in the fight, to put those fears behind, to look to God. If you'd like for us to pray with you about that, we'd be happy to do it. I encourage you to get in the fight. However you might want to respond this morning, if you'll come, our brother Don leads us.